Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Happy Foot, Sad Foot, your LAFC gateway drug and the only LAFC podcast recorded on a landline telephone. I'm Travis Helwig. And I'm Darren Miller. Welcome to our preview of LAFC's first post-Leagues Cup MLS match on Sunday, August 20th at 7.30 p.m. at BMO Stadium. You can watch it on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV Plus, and we'll be live streaming our post-game call-in show 10 minutes after the final whistle at youtube.com slash at happyfootsadfoot. Subscribe now, you can get notified when we go live, and if you enjoy the show and want to help us keep making it, become a friend of the foot by clicking the Patreon link in the show notes, or pick up some Happos Afo merch by going to Happy Later in the show, Darren sits down with the sporting director for the Colorado Rapids, Fran Taylor, who is also Darren's childhood friend that grew up to be way more successful than him. And as always, we'll talk about all the storylines for the match and make some bets. But first, the official toes in the water segment of Happy Foot, Sad Foot, listener mandated banter. Darren, you wrote that for me. Toes in the water, huh? You just got to come up with as many foot-related metaphors as possible on the show. It's a, it's an important part of the show. Is it a bad time to say that I think feet kind of creep me out? Me too. <laughs> I don't like it whenever it comes up. Yeah, I like when when people are like, "Send us your feet," and it's like a bit. I'm like, no. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, do it's, that. it's hard to stay in the bit because it's like uh, this is gross. <laughs> it's funny. Like uh, we're gonna get right into it in the banter. The foot fetish thing is funny to me because, like, I Let's wish I had it. a foot fetish. <laughs> what a great fetish to have! You see, what feet a brand all the fetish. time. <laughs> what? No, but like, <laughs> that's what I mean. Just, if like I saw a foot and I was like, that gets me excited. I, you would be excited all the time. It would be great. Like, why do we call them creeps? They're living the best possible life you could live. You get it. It's like being attracted to like grass. You hands. see it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Well, it weird. literally is. There, it's hands, hands and feet. Why like, aren't like, there hands? That's so why funny. I said that being like, well, isn't it crazy? It's almost like hands. It's exactly like. Same oh. shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we got that out of the way. Darren, how you doing? <laughs> Been waiting weeks to go go there. Um, <laughs> you miss us? You miss us? This is our first preview episode together in a while. This is the first time we've done listener mandated banter in a while. Yeah. So I was gone for I was gone for Juarez. No, was you I were here for, for Juarez. We did Juarez. Then COVID for Real Salt it was Lake. Jeff talk for Real Salt Lake, and then the Monterey. We had to turn around fast, and I did it independent. We didn't get we to did. hang out. We did. What have you been up to? I don't know. You know, working. What else? This is real good. Started, but <laughs> you saying working and then long pause is a great. It's just great for podcasts. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because when you say working, it's hard to not then pause and like sit in the gravity of of the sadness of it. 
It's almost like you're a computer who had to tell me that working, you were doing the work working, to figure out working. what the banter was. Working. 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 One moment, You were going to say something about okay. your son when I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, my son started kindergarten this week. Is that How has that been? So preschool, I know that he went to like an outdoors preschool. Is it a real legit school this time? <laughs> that was a uh, that was a better. There, is there do, a door? <laughs> I wish he could do forest school through college. Honestly, I was jealous of him. He got to climb trees at school. Now he's in a building that has right. a, you know I, I want to call it a backyard. It's you know a outdoor. What's the outdoor area of a school called? A yard. <laughs> a yard. Yeah. We have recess in the schoolyard. The schoolyard. The school. That just feels so like storybook. Like not a real thing you say. But I guess it is a schoolyard. <laughs> and what's the school? What's his teacher's name? What hours are he, is he there? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, let me keep doxing him. Um, yeah, doxing uh, your son. Is a- doxing your son. <laughs> doxing my oh, son for the pod. I fucking I swatted my son at school. <laughs> no scarier. Ladies things. and gentlemen, don't swat your kids. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to like invent a problem, like a pandemic, like a epidemic that we're like. You know, there's an issue I really feel strongly about, and it's there's too many parents out there swatting their kids. <laughs> How are you? Are you feeling? I know it's scary when your kid goes to school for the first time. He's in elementary school. How you? How are you handling it? I'm just kind of taking. So far, it's fine. He seems to really be enjoying it. So I'm taking it as it comes. It's nice that this school, like we can walk to it. So less driving in LA is always, you know, a life changing situation. It. I don't know. It. It's the next thing. You know, you just mm-hmm. get through the next days. <laughs> <laughs> The the twins are um going to the forest school that he went to right. for preschool soon. So the whatever that, that. <laughs> they're gonna learn the difference between dirt and bugs. <laughs> I mean Yeah. I was I was just listening to there's this fucking weird podcast that we recommended. Remember when in Listener Mandated Banter and like the three hour long Patreon episode where we recommended podcasts? I recommended something called Desert Oracle. And it's just this weirdo who's alone in the desert. He's just a guy who's like Yeah, he's a weird it's called Desert Oracle Radio. He lives in Joshua Tree and he just talks into a microphone for thirty minutes a week. And it's clear that he's like drunk, but he is like He's like spiritual. He talks about aliens and coyotes. He rules. But he was telling a story about how the reason David or David Oppenheimer, Oppen, what's Oppenheimer's first name? Barbie. <laughs> what is it, David? No, so it's not. I don't David know. I didn't. I didn't watch the movie yet. Oppenheimer. What's his fucking name? They call him Oppie. All I was going to say is they, his father sent him away to an outdoor school in New Mexico um, because he wasn't tough enough, and that's why uh, they did the. <laughs> They did the atomic bomb in New Mexico is that he f- grew to love New Mexico. This is a lot of banter, Darren. We got to get into it. Too much it. banter. Let's start Too much the banter. show. We, did, we forgot that we keep it tight here. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about All Oppenheimer right. and foot fetishes and elementary school. That's too much. This one's getting an explicit tag, just like all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> LAFC is back in league play, which is a phrase I only really understand the meaning of because my friend Travis, the human LAFC crazy wall, spoon feeds me every bit of information I need to know to stay on top of LAFC, MLS, League's Cup, and Denny Boanga's whereabouts throughout the week. As a casual fan and a concerned adult, I politely decline the latter and take in everything else because I have a lot of other things going on in my very full and satisfying life with no regrets or worries whatsoever, and I don't have time to ruin all that in the off chance that Denny Boanga might someday notice me. But I do have time to digest every storyline and important detail that makes every match matter and more fun to watch all at once in a segment we call Storylines. Wow. Wow. I haven't heard just that hearing song that, in a while. Yeah, just hearing it feels like a win. Like it feels like yeah. LAFC won. I feel like we have to put it on TikTok and have like someone should invent a dance to it that the kids oh, yeah. can make money. Yeah, Darren, that's going to be really successful five years ago. <laughs> what if we speed it up, Darren? Let's put it on musically. Sorry, go ahead, <laughs> Darren. How have you been since Kevincho cursed LAFC during our live stream? Good. I've been on the fence. Is it him or is it us? I 
I will say he gave, he gave us an out because he yeah we really, he really is, saved us yeah if you haven't seen his <laughs> video about when he came on the show he basically claimed that he's the reason LAFC lost go check out Kevin Cho as always Darren were you happy or sad that Monterey lost in the League's Cup that they lost in the League's Cup oh happy yeah. yes yeah and also sad it's, that Nashville won yeah it's I feel like. <laughs> Normally, I sometimes when a team beats us, I want them to go on and win the whole thing so we could be like, well, we were only beaten by the best team, but I really yeah, want them to lose. Yeah. I was so fucking mad after that game. Yeah, me too. I think most of us felt one of two ways after the quarterfinals. Darren, you were either Vince LaRosa and you were proud of how we played for 70 minutes and felt that this is just how watching sports goes. Or you were a Travis Helwig, and you immediately started researching the recipe for homemade arsenic. Needless to say, it was an emotional loss with Dolo and the players clearly frustrated as they walked off the pitch. And that brings us to the first storyline of the match against Colorado, which is this. Will the team be angry? or shaken. Teams respond to big losses in a bunch of different ways, Darren. After the big loss to Leon in the Champions League, our spirit was broken, and we went on a string of losses to teams we know we're better than. And after a few weeks off, we looked great coming into the League's Cup, and we seemed determined and angry to remind everyone why we were still the best team in MLS. Darren, after this big loss to Monterey, coming into the game against Colorado at home, do you think the team's going to be demoralized by another cup loss, or will they be motivated? I think we'll be motivated. I think we had some statement wins right before that, and we established that we were kind of back in business. I think that put them in the right spirits to not be so thrown off by that loss, and I think they'll be able to be like, okay, we got this. Because they they still played well in that game. That wasn't they lost and it was devastating, but they didn't. Despite uh, what any of you weirdos are saying about possession, they played well. We knew we wouldn't have possession. Maybe we wanted a little bit more possession, but shut the fuck up about the possession. That's all anyone wants to talk about. And we told you the game team. before. We told you the <laughs> podcast before. We're not going to have possession. If you listen to us, we're the smartest people. We know everything we're about the soccer. Smartest ones. <laughs> and when I say we, when I say we told you, I mean. Chris Whittingham, a man who came on to tell us about the game. My feeling is, Darren, the team is going to be motivated because now we have no choice but to be motivated. Not only because there's 12 games left into the playoffs, but because we don't have many other options left to win trophies. It's MLS Cup or bust now, motherfuckers. We punted the Open Cup. We lost the Champions League in the finals. We lost to probably the best team in the League's Cup in the quarterfinals. And Cincinnati has 51 points in the Supporter Shield race, and we only have 37. We aren't catching up to the Supporter Shield. However, Darren, that brings us to our second storyline of the match. And I think it may surprise you. And that is this. Can we get to the top three in the Supporter Shield race? Darren, you may be asking, what the fuck? Who cares? Why do we want to be in the top three? Well, Darren, you're an idiot, and I'm going to tell you. We want to make it to the top three because we want to make it to the CONCACAF Champions Cup next year, don't we? The Champions Cup is just like the Champions League, but more teams are involved, so CONCACAF is allowed to make more money. Sounds sick, right? Don't you just love the word Scotiabank? (laughs) (laughs) I love all banks. Travis. So what about Campeones Cup? Uh, yeah, we have that at some point. I forgot about cool. that. But that's against uh, Tigres, I think, who is the best yeah. team on the continent. They're better than Monterey. But, sure. you know, we'll see how it goes. But <laughs> listen, the Champions League used to, we'd only get four teams in in MLS total. A lot more are going to get in this year. And there's a couple of different ways to get in. But let's say worst case scenario, and don't get mad at me for saying this, we don't win MLS Cup this year because playoffs are random and it's hard to win a bunch of games in a row. And we still want to get something out of this season. How do we qualify for what is now called the CONCACAF Champions Cup? Five different teams qualify just from the MLS season alone, not including League's Cup. The MLS Cup winner qualifies, the Supporter Shield winner qualifies, and the top team from the opposite conference of the Supporter Shield qualifies. That's what it used to be. But now also, two teams who are the two best teams across any conference also qualify. So 
Our goal by the end of the season, outside of winning winning MLS Cup, is to either win the West, which gets us into the Champions Cup, which and it's still possible. We're second in the West at 37. We're tied with RSL in first place is St. Louis at 41. Definitely possible. But even if we can't catch St. Louis, we could still qualify if we get into the top few of the Supporter Shield race. Currently, we're ranked sixth in the league with 37 points. In front of us, Cincinnati, the runaway favorites of 51, said that. They're followed by New England, who's all the way down at 43. That's not too far from 37, Darren. Already possible for us to catch them. Then St. Louis at 41, Philly at 40, Nashville at 38, and then us. It's waiting for us, baby. We could still get something out of this. It's right there. Come on. (laughs) We can be optimistic for something again. We did it. 12 games, we can make up those points. Yeah, we can We know we can beat MLS teams. We know we get 12 games, three points a game, win 10 of those, we're in the fucking money, baby. Win eight of those, tie the other four, we're in the fucking money, baby. Do more math. (laughs) Darren, how are you feeling about our chances to say the word Scotiabank a bunch next year? Scotiabank. This is looking pretty good. Wait, so the new rules... Is it possible that you could be the team that loses in the MLS Cup finals and not be one of the teams that gets one of the slots? Yeah. yeah. If, if you're <laughs> like the eighth insane. seed and you make it all the way, like if Messi, so well, no, that, so that doesn't make sense because Miami already got in through League's Cup. Three spots get in through League's oh, Cup. Oh, yeah. Um, Miami and Nashville are both in. That also needs to be taken into account. Nashville's ahead of us in the Supporter Shield standings, but they're already in. So it would go to the next person. So all, and Open Cup winners get in. So like, oh, there's, there's a I bunch of saying. different ways to get in. Wow. As yeah. So as they, they changed it from League to Cup and then changed the meaning of champions. <laughs> to water it down. Yeah, it's the no longer champions. Cup. <laughs> it's, it's a CONCACAF decent cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the CONCACAF bowl. <laughs> Personally, I think our chances for the rest of the season hinges on one question, which just happens to be our third storyline for this week's game, Darren, which is so this. Convenient. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that it works out like that? I can't believe it worked out like that. That's so my cool. The way that I'm thinking is the third <laughs> question, which is this. Just how healthy is Carlos Fela? He went down against Juarez two weeks ago after scoring two of the best goals of his LAFC career. It really felt like Carlos Vela was back. In fact, I tweeted it moments before he got injured. But against Monterey, his absence was really felt. We lacked some of that creative playmaking in the midfield that he's secretly been really helpful for this season. And his clinical finishing would have been really helpful when we were close to getting that third goal and we couldn't get it. When we don't play Carlos Vela, we are playing a team with a single designated player, which is infuriating Every time it happens, because most teams have three, our team builds intelligently and doesn't waste spots. But when a DP goes down, boy, do we fucking feel it. Plus, with these extra nine days off, thanks to our loss in the League's Cup, we might finally get to see Mario Gonzalez with a more fluid understanding of our game plan. So he doesn't, you know, get in the way of a shot during his first game and then make all of the fans hate him. You know, it wasn't his fault that we lost, but boy, is that a very visual example of us not liking someone. I still have a lot of faith, especially now that he's got some more time to practice with the team. Darren, Vela's been a roller coaster of a player this season. How are you feeling about Vela and Gonzalez for the rest of the season? Gonzalez, I'm excited to see him do what he does. I hope he does it. Vela, to be honest, like after the panic we went through at the beginning of the season, I'm kind of just happy that we're in a place where his absence matters to us like the fact that we missed him feels like a good sign at this point that he's back to the point where he's missed when he's gone even that even saying that feels harsh at this point but i do remember how bad we thought it was at the beginning of the season so did you uh, see that one rumor some place put up a rumor that vela wants to go to miami if that's true if he goes to miami i don't know how i think we would burn bemo down like not us i think all of us would lose our fucking minds. And no, we wouldn't be there for the record. We that that's not us committing crimes. <laughs> and we're not saying not do us. it. Not we're us. not saying do it. But if one does it, it would be understandable. But I don't condone it. Boy, yeah, that would be oh boy. I would yeah, be upset. I don't want to even talk about it. I just want to say that that report was out there. It was from a website I'd never heard before that was like MLSinfo.biz. Um but <laughs> 
So we did a deep dive on the Colorado Rapids, our opponents. Last time we played them, the episode was titled Into Thin Air. You can go back and listen. And Darren talks about Colorado a little bit with his interview with his much more successful old friend. Um, So (laughs) I'm not going to get into Colorado now. But I want to talk about the last storyline of the match, which I actually think is going to define the game this Sunday. And I left it for last. But I do think it's the most important, which is this. Just how much will the hurricane affect this game? Hurricane Hillary will hit Southern California on Sunday night as the first tropical storm to hit our city since 1938. That's right, Darren. Hurricane Hillary. It's time to Pokemon go to the game. <laughs> Here's the I'm just chilling forecast. at BMO Stadium. <laughs> I'm just chilling at the Berea stand. Berea stand. Uh, <laughs> Um, um, we love Bernie here at the pod. Here's the current forecast as of Thursday. I voted for Hillary, but I voted for Bernie in the. If you guys want to know, that's what it, I voted for Bernie the first time in the in the thing. What is it called? The primary. Then I voted for yeah. Hillary. Okay, Just hurricane. Saying, I voted for Bernie. Also, but both times. Okay. Uh, I don't believe that, you fucking Blue Lives Matter piece of shit. <laughs> oh, right, um, sorry. <laughs> you voted, you voted, for, um, you voted for Gary Johnson. <laughs> the, yeah. I'm conservative, uh, but weed's cool. <laughs> okay. Can, can we get everybody here? Here's the current forecast as of Thursday night when we're recording this. Heavy rain will hit LA from Saturday through Tuesday. We don't know if it's sustained, but rain's going to start Saturday. Um Storm winds will peak around midday Sunday, around midnight Sunday into Monday morning. And as you know, Darren, as a man of the East Coast, hurricane strength is determined not by rain, but by wind strength. And they're anticipating that tonight, Thursday night, the storm is going to become a category four hurricane, which is a massive hurricane. But that's before it gets to us. We don't have to worry about that. But a category four winds are between 130 and 156 miles an hour. But don't worry, it'll weaken before it gets us. The water is much cooler. That will help. I think Cabo is not in as safe a shape as we are. But most models say it will weaken to a tropical storm by the time it hits us directly. And the direct hit will come right around game time. And tropical storm winds, while that doesn't sound as scary as a hurricane, are between 39 and 73 miles an hour. (laughs) 73 is the top of tropical storm. So we'll probably stay by the lower end, but there's a world in which we're going to get winds that are way higher than any of us are used to here in LA. So expect power lines down and potential fires because of it, because of those high winds, (laughs) just some things to think about that I've been thinking about nonstop since I heard about this hurricane. So it's Thursday night, Darren, things can change, (laughs) but we know it's going to be rainy on Sunday. That's not in question. It's going to rain for the game we've played in the rain before. The real question is, will there be lightning to stop the game? And will the wind be a factor when the ball goes in the air? If the game goes on, the storm should intensify as the game goes on as well. So be prepared for it to get worse the longer you're in the stand. So be safe, be smart, never drive into like a flood waters and 3252, bring a change of clothes. It's going to be bad. (laughs) It's going to be bad. I'm realizing why you gave me your tickets for this game. (laughs) I was hoping you would say it because it's true. It's true. Have fun. Well, at least you get to go to the press box. The press box, you'll get cover. You don't have to sit in the seats. Yeah, maybe I'll, okay, maybe I'll just do that. <laughs> I, did, I told you how horrific it was. Like, I, and then I was like, you can go to the game. It'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, oh, Travis is still recovering. Oh, man. I hope he feels better. <laughs> Drive safe, Darren. Good luck. When we come back, Darren interviews his childhood friend, the sporting director of the Colorado Rapids. He is the former VP of Analytics and Application at StatDNA, former assistant general manager for the Colorado Rapids, current sporting director at Colorado Rapids. At least interestingly, my childhood friend and soccer teammate, Fran Taylor. Fran, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Zach. Good to see you. You too. I'm very glad that we can do this. It's been a lot of fun to see your rise in pro soccer. I want to get into that whole trajectory. We've seen each other a few times over the years, but not much. It's been a long time. No, no, I didn't even Uh, know you were living in LA. I know. 
You went to school less, here, didn't you? Much less running a podcast. Yeah, Occidental <laughs> College. Yeah, yeah. I made um, my escape quickly as I could. But I actually do remember seeing you back home at one point. Maybe I was like excited about the possibility of going to LA at that point for myself, and I was like, "Oh, you're near LA. Do you? How do you like it?" And you're like, "Eh, I don't really like it. That <laughs> sucks." <laughs> Bye. It's not great. We have a great group in in Colorado. Forge is great. Robin and the coaching staff are great. The scouting team is fantastic. So I, I couldn't ask for a, a better environment to, to work. Oh, awesome. I want to start at the beginning because we have the rare opportunity that we can here. We grew up, We I, I thought of it, we run a lot of teams together. We run a lot Over of soccer team. teams together. Uh, I think it started in, I want to say first grade. Maybe, yeah. Head coach we Jim Duggan. Uh, yeah, with our, our friend's dad, Jim Duggan, coached a, a legendary run of rec soccer league teams. Really started playing soccer on Easy Street, I guess, and didn't really realize that losing was a thing. We were undefeated for like four years in a row. I realized that our dads didn't have to coach us, right? Like, right, <laughs> we yeah. need to hire a professional. And I think you were the first, you were the first one. Darren, Darren was a Brookline soccer, youth soccer legend. And it was the first ones to kind of go into the some more club proper environment with real coaches. I did. I I was obsessed with soccer. The I, the problem was that I just got too into it and burnt out eventually. But yeah, I was at. A, there was a point where I was playing on like way too many teams at once, and it was a dumb thing to do as a child. <laughs> well, there was baseball, and then there was baseball. Yes, baseball which. Team. Is sort of what I point to when I don't want to admit that I did burn out and just was no longer good at a certain point. I'll be like, oh, I got more into baseball. But really, there was a point where I want to say like eighth grade where I just fully peaked, maybe before that even. It's funny because I think what you're doing now is like very unsurprising to me because I'll say Fran was always one of the best players on the field and always one of the smartest players on the field. And I know there was a period of time where I knew that I was just no longer very good. And I could tell, and I knew you could tell, and maybe a few other people. And there was a period of time where I was like, I'm still fooling most people, though, until I just kind of ran myself into the ground and it was over. <laughs> you put it this way. You were you were the DH on that. I, I was DH in baseball. Right? Some so imagine, equivalent in soccer for a bit. Imagine David Ortiz. <laughs> Imagine David Ortiz on a soccer field. That's not necessarily more. I like to say that I developed other interests that I cared more about. I think it's just that one of those other interests was food and that, that kind of soccer's not a game. I, I was able to make that work for baseball pretty easily. <laughs> you can do that for baseball. Yeah. A, it's a lot more lenient in that way. But yeah, I think you, you staying with soccer is not at all surprising to me and has been very exciting to watch. Tell us about, in adulthood, what, what your journey has been like bringing you to this point. It's very unusual, crazy, and fortunate um, that I am where I get to be. I always wanted to be, I probably wanted to be a baseball GM. That was my thing. So Theo Epstein, Theo Epstein was a uh, legendary general manager of the Boston Red Sox, and then he goes to the Cubs. When we were in high school, I want to say he became the youngest general manager, which I believe he still is. Or his record stands as the youngest person to ever be a baseball general manager. And I believe he was 28 when he got the job. So as a, you know, 15, 16 year old baseball player, probably my better sport at the time. And he was a Brookline High alum and his, his brother Paul was head coach of the women's high school team at Brookline High. So That's there's right. a lot of Epstein family stuff going on. He would show up to our baseball games. I wanted to be, I wanted Theo and managed to find a way into soccer. I played soccer collegiately, wasn't very good, played at the lowest level of professional soccer that you can play in Southeast Asia and Laos wasn't very good. But I, I you mean, know, you can't, you can't not be very good and play and even by, the standards, level, like. by the standards that we like, I can, I can hang in a staff game. Right. But like, that's, sure. that's the extent of it. Right. I am not. You would not call me a, uh, you know, having a, a soccer background, right? In terms of the context that we work in. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, my kind of wild and crazy journey was coming out of college. I just wanted to get out of the country. That was important. I wanted to work abroad toward with the idea of going to South America and working kind of like on a botanical garden in Ecuador 
ended up getting an opportunity to start up a data project in Laos in Southeast Asia. The hook that the company that brought me out there used was that I would teach the youth soccer, the American youth soccer system to allow youth. So I did all this work with my, with my club coach to kind of build a curriculum and go out there. There's absolutely no infrastructure for me to do that. But as it so happened, my, my former boss, Jason Rosenfeld, has the idea to digitize soccer matches. And the first thing that we tried to do was start doing more kind of advanced analytical models off of stuff. So we're thinking about what kind of information we collect and allow us to, to take kind of soccer stats, which at the time really just kind of like passes, possession, shots, stuff like that. Very, very basic stuff to really start understanding what kind of actions are unlocking value. And so one of the first things that we started collecting was information on where senders were and pressure was coming from, which those things, if you're going to collect, if you're going to digitize soccer matches, you better digitize where the defenders are, right? Mm -hmm. And how quickly they're coming to close the ball. And so we've kind of built some of, you know, what, what now is, you know, fairly public in the soccer analytics domain. We were built some of that stuff in, I think, 2010, 11, and then Ultimately, you know, we have a, we have a company, Stat DNA, which was acquired by, by RC. So kind of out of nowhere and without kind of any planning, I was in the Arsenal analysts room with a bunch of really great people that are now in really prominent roles. Arsenal Football Club and Jason Ato and Ben Knapper and Mark Curtis, guys that, you know, at the time, probably all 25, 26, 27. Wow. So through, through that, through Arsenal, with Crumpy Sports and Entertainment Connection, I jumped over to the Colorado Rapids when I met Cork Smith at a Crunky MIT Sports Analytics Conference dinner for, you know, the, the different Crunky clubs. And he invited me to come over and be his assistant general manager. So that was in 2018. And I've been here since. So as sporting director, I don't know how standardized this, this is across the MLS or across clubs across the world, but like what, what is within the scope of your responsibilities now? I run the scouting department. I run the analytics department. I negotiate, I would say most of our contracts. I negotiate most of our deals with clubs abroad. The president look managed most of the relationships with the other chief soccer officers. So if we want to do a trade, we've done a lot of trades with LAFC. Or call it John, but you would do a deal for a player like Kellen or sure, Mark Anthony K. And I, I do most of the, the foreign players. Interesting. Okay. Where do you see the state of the league, the Rapids? Like, what, how are you approaching the, the rest of this season? I'd say it's incredibly exciting to kind of watch the meteor rise of the league. I don't think club, so I don't think people know quite how strong this is financially with respect to Europe. Whenever a lot of resources or money goes into something, it, it takes time for the level to kind of catch up, right? Like if you're ever bringing in new money into a club, it takes time to deploy that money effectively and get the team to kind of the best level it can be. And I think that's the same with elite. Of course, yeah. it's made up of 29 teams. And so we're kind of in the stage in which... You know, tan was rolled out and kind of sorry exploded in 2018 you're not going to have the the salary cap if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Go up significantly over the next, over the course of the CBA, which I believe ends in 2027. And I think when you see the effect of Messi that he's having, I think you're going to have a lot more interest from owners possibly and this happens at a different level but owners potentially wanting to accelerate the growth of this league and so we're already in a spot financially where i think a lot of clubs have a financial muscle that would push them and will push them to a higher level and the talent level is now catching up the fact that can you compare how mls teams did to Liga mx teams in the leagues cup and how they have done in the CONCACAF Champions League. You know, that's the great barometer how to compare the development of this league is against the benchmark of Liga MX teams. And MLS teams have done fantastic as well. I think we have some catching up to do with, with some of your sleeps, but that's just going to naturally happen by the way in which as this league grows, as the financial and resource commitments that ownerships are making, you're going to see that the league is going to continue and continue to approve its loving. So I think I think that's really exciting. It's a great it's a great place to to be as an employee. It's probably a great place to be as a fan to watch this league grow so so quickly. Yeah. I do wonder you mentioned the time that it takes to like put things into practice. If you could go into a little bit more detail of like You've been at the Rapids a few years now. What does that timeline look like for, here's what I think needs to change. Okay, we can actually make those changes. Now there's like tactics that reflect the changes that we wanted to make. Now those tactics are actually working. Like how long of a timeline does that take? Like we spend a lot of time, you know, wondering, well, why are we, why are we not very good right now? Why have we won only three games this year, right? We won, we won the Western Conference two years Right. Mm-hmm. And two years before that, we were bottom of the maybe second of the Western continents. Right. So we've been, we've been, been all over the place. So I wish I had a straight, a straight answer for you as to kind of, we have had different kind of grand designs, which we've kind of had to kind of try to alter. So I guess the, the best way to kind of describe it is in, I'd say, so I joined in 2018, right. And there were, there were plans and preparations before that. In 2018, when I arrived, you know, we had Tim Howard and Skelos and Gashi, who were fantastic players at points in their career, but had gotten to a point where they, they were maybe, you know, they were, they were at their, at their best, right? And they were, you know, taking up a considerable amount of their two TPs and there are number of amount of our resources. And so for, we knew for about a two year period, we're going to have a whole lot of flexibility to play works. At that time, it was the start of kind of the, the, the TAM era where you had all this kind of what I was talking about, all this new money coming in. And so you had a lot of clubs going out and spending that money on players in Europe or South America who were going to command bigger wages and transfer fees, things like that. And they were going to displace a bunch of established MLS veterans or, or, or players, right? Mm-hmm. So we placed a bet based on kind of our resources, our lack of flexibility, and, and the direction that other teams were going, we placed a bet against. Essentially, that was, okay, you want to place the bet on the foreign guys coming into the league, we're going to place the guy bets on guys that you don't think are 
where you think you're going to have, you think the players that you're bringing in are going to be better. And so we're right. bringing players like Keegan Rosenberry from Philadelphia, who was rookie of the year, went through. We probably played a hundred professional games at that point. It was always fit. He was always first selection of Philly. Diego Rubio, AC were just about to go and spend $10 million on Alan Polito. We brought in, I wouldn't necessarily say Kellen Acosta was displaced by foreign investment, but there was a market opportunity for Kellen. We've made use of the draft, traded up to get Andre Shinshiki, who was a player well and became rookie of the year. Austin Trustee from, from Philadelphia Unit was maybe a little bit later. Kai Kamara was another kind of MLS veteran, still had, had time left. So there was a real kind of, I'm sure I'm forgetting certain players, but like there was a, there was a plan of taking the opposite side. We went heavy on domestic players with established track records and, mm-hmm. uh, and we had quite a bit of success. I don't know if we felt, you know, we obviously had, there was a, some decent luck involved in that. You know, I don't think someone like an Austin trustee was at an interesting place in his career where he had been pretty much frozen out uh, of Philadelphia. And I certainly wouldn't have been able to tell you at that time that, hey, we're going to turn this guy into a, a Premier League player. But that's mm-hmm. where he is, right? He's going to play for Sheffield United in the Premier League this year. And he's part of the A group for the U.S. men's national team. So the the bets that we placed, you know, we thought they were good bets and, and some really hit. Yeah, that, 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 so like that, that strategy worked immediately. No, and it, it took, it took, it took. I mean, we had, we were horrible at the start of 2019, right? And the roster was so okay. sad. Okay. We didn't win one of our first 13 games, maybe. And then we made a managerial change, and Connor Casey goes on a bit of a run as the interim. And then Robin Frazier comes in as the permanent, and we, we take it even to another level, and a level that we sustained for, I'd say, two and a half years where we were either the second or third best team in, in MLS over that period of time. Uh, yeah, we, we sold some players to Europe. Austin goes to, to Arsenal. St. Biden's goes to Antwerp. Cole Bassett goes to Feyenoord. Um, Kellen Acosta goes to LAFC. And, and the players that we brought in, in in those various positions to replace them haven't quite hit the, the levels that those guys I've hit now. It's a bit fair to say, right? Like when you Austin Trustee is going to go to to Sheffield for six and a half million pound less. Like there's not a mechanism, and I think LAFC fans are like kind of familiar with this. But like when you sell players abroad, the league kind of restricts the ways in which you can kind of redeploy that. Um, yep. You're not allowed to take a million in allocation. So if you sell a player for six, you've really got only a million to kind of put back into the broader team. So there there are challenges reinvesting on your successes what happens to the other five in that scenario so it goes into your ownership's pocket right and so that's what i figured your owner your owner can then spend that on say a a dp or u22 initiative player but you can't you can't like austin austin was a you know he he was on i don't know what his capture time maybe four hundred thousand a year which is a great cap charge for kind of a tier a center back We've got center backs in this league that are making one and a half million bucks a year. You have a 400 K center back and you sell him. Like it's not easy to redeploy that yeah. in that same kind of, but it seems like there is in the MLS and maybe this is just sports. Like maybe this is not really a thing, but like there's a, there's a kind of a high cost to success. It doesn't seem like you should have to start with as much of a clean slate as teams are kind of stuck doing in this scenario. I mean, I remember toward the beginning of the season when we were watching LFC and Boanga was playing out of his mind and we were like, oh, I hope it doesn't play too well. Cause then like there's too many eyes on him. I, I think, you know, a great example that's kind of in the, in the public domain at the moment is Georgie Petrovich at New England, right? Okay. He's, he's come in there as a pretty unproven goalkeeper and has been nothing short sensational to the point where you have teams from the top five leagues offering some reports like eight million, which of course, like given where he is in his career, right? He has a, he has a path to go straight to the top. Take it. But New England are a position where like they're in a good spot, Eastern Conference, 
Uh, they've got some ground to make up on Cincinnati, but they feel like they've got a shot to get which supporter shield and that they have a good spot in the playoffs. Like, who knows? They can win on this coming, right? And so they don't want to move on from him now because they know they cannot in the short term, like keep the level of the team without. There's just, there's no, yeah. there's no moves they can make in which they replace Georgie Petrovich with the resources they're going to get from Georgie Petrovich. That's how unique is that as far as sports goes or soccer goes? Soccer goes and say it's pretty, pretty unique. Like if you look at it kind of a macro level, like MLS is a growth league, right? Yeah. There's tons of investment in across the league. We have some of the best facilities, stadiums, training facilities, all these kinds of things. Owners are making losses, but the value of this league is skyrocketing. So to some extent, you know, if you sell a player for five million, six million, it may not really matter. Now, every owner is going to be different, right? Every, every ownership group has different objectives and different business model, but what I would say is there are probably certain owners in which, you know, they don't really care about losses because it's all about growth. It's about the growth of the league. And they feel like performances are more important than player sense. That is very rare in football broad. Yeah. We are one of the most well-capitalized leagues in the world. So, you know, we're, we're, from that perspective, I think we're, we're very, we're very different. That makes sense. It provides unique challenges for like when we're in the player development space, right? Because there's going to be a natural distrust of at least in certain players, like, Hey, look, if I do get to the top and I do earn myself a move to go to a, a higher level, like, are you going to keep me or not? Right. And I think one of the things that we've always felt like we want our players to go to the highest level that they can. And we will, we want to augment that, not pull right. them back right but we also have to strike the balance we too want to win nobody here is is purely in the business of developing players we all want to win and and that's just a challenge that we have to live with right right i do want to get into the matchup in front of us with lafc and the rapids we've faced you guys once this year so far? How do you see this matchup as far as the way that the two teams generally play? Like what kind of game do you think we'll be looking at in terms of tactics? Are there any particular things that you're looking or hoping to see beyond just like general results? We're hoping to see a heavily rotated LAFC side that wants to lick (laughs) its wounds after a disappointing League's Cup exit. You know, it wouldn't uh, be the first time. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we've won at the bank ever. Oh, okay. It's not a place that I'm feeling very confident about going and, and getting three points from. That's fair. It's not I mean I look I, I we have a we have a ton of respect for what the front office in, in LA does. And I think like guys like Bolanga and Zella get a ton of credit and they're they're very, very good. But I think what that, what LAFC has done so well is they use all of the mechanisms of player recruitment, right? I think what they've done so well is the, the kind of the non DP, non U22 initiative class has been fantastic. So players like Tillman, Bogush, Poku, Maldonado, Atuesta when he was here before William Palmeiras, like, you know, Maria, like all these guys were probably sub million dollar transfer fees, lowish salaries, don't take up a lot of resources that have become like frontline players, tier A type of players in MLS. And that's not easy to do. So, you know, when we, when we talk about before about like how it's, it's hard to replace successes to maintain continuity over success. Well, if you keep finding cheap, but very, very good players, you will continue to work. Yeah. That's the sort of the antidote. Yeah. That's interesting. What about just like style of play in general, in terms of how uh, the Rapids may match up with, with what you're used to seeing from LAFC? I wouldn't say it's anything too. It will be, we'll be cautious going to a place like a bank. Thank you guys are absolutely lethal in transition. Bawaka does his best stuff in transition. So I would see us try to go and not use the ball in bad areas. Something that we've struggled with, but you know, like I think that would be that would be a key. It's like if we lose the ball 
and Belong has got the ability to in transition moments, you know, just getting behind us or get at us. Like those are situations we want to stay out of. So someone on that note, I'm wondering for someone like a casual fan, if you're just looking at box scores, not a lot of good stuff in a box score. What should people be looking at when, if you missed a game and all you can look at is stats, like what's the best way to tell the story of that game? It feels lame to say expected goals, but like that's the best that you would get in a modern box score because, you know, essentially what you're trying to do, right, is you're, you're trying to take away the margin of error of, of what can happen in a game, right? So like the obvious thing is like, okay, you lose, you lose three to two, but the opponent had three opportunities where they got into, into a, a dangerous situation and they've converted from all three. Doesn't tell the story of the game, right? But there's a ton of error around the fact that they just got lucky. Three opportunities at, and so you want to take that out, right? But you can yeah. still have a situation in which like team creates three big chances, right? Racks up like two and a half expected goals and they score three goals and it went through it too. So you can still have error associated with that. Effort. So you want more things that contextualize the game. You want metrics of success around how teams did in every phase of play. Where did they recover the ball? How successful were they in kind of build out phases or in transition? Right. And that's not in the public domain. So that should be exciting for potential analytics goers because there's, there's a lot of work to be done to really bring out context and develop next level stats. Can you actually, can you just break down what the hell expected goals is and what factors into it? You can take data that has a bunch of, imagine you have an Excel sheet with a bunch of events in one column and a bunch of features at each of those, at each moment of time, at each one of those events, right? So let's take shots, right? So take every shot that happens in the game and you have certain information around that. So you know, where the goalkeeper is, you know, the angle of the goal that you have to work with, you know, maybe the player's momentum, the direction that they're going, you might know something about, is the ball sitting on the ground? Is it kind of in a position where you're going to have to half volley it? Is it, is it a headed attempt? You might know something about where the position of the defenders are, how much pressure they're applying, how far you are from, from the goal. This is all, or, or in maybe like how many defenders are kind of obstructing potential shot, right? Mm-hmm. These are all data points that we all know as we watch a game are relevant to how easy it is to score from a moment, right? So we might look at a situation and say like, oh, this is a, he has to score that, right? Because it's through on goal and there's no defenders, right. right? Or we might say that's a, that's a half chance, right? So we know this intuitive. You can take this information, you can run it through a computer algorithm and it can estimate how likely you are to score. If you use information that's just like, okay, the player was here in this location and have more of their context, your model's probably not going to be very good. But if you have all of the bits of information that I kind of referenced before, mm-hmm. you can actually get pretty accurate models. Now, there's cert- going to be certain things that are hard to represent in data, right? So like, if we're talking about the trajectory of a ball being whipped into the box that a player needs to strike first time of goal. You might be able to say, okay, it's a first time chance, but to measure the trajectory of the ball so you can know if you're hitting it at the right angle or whatever, that's very hard to do with data. So you're always going to have a little bit of error in your model because you can't get all of the context into your model, but you try to do as well as you can so that you get those those great other factors. So when you look at unexpected goals, stat are you seeing is expected goals really just the concept can you look at it and know exactly what metrics are being factored into it like what the list is or is it really just like a model depending on who's giving you the the data i mean it depends on kind of what yeah what your data provider is right so Got if you're it. working with if you're working with tracking data, I, I thought it was simpler than that i thought there was like a set like it's this it's you know ops or in baseball or like it's like this plus oh, no. this divided by this it's like it's really like full-on complex models yeah there's no formula for it right and now there's a formula for, for OVS, but you know, if you were going to start doing, I don't know, I don't know baseball analytics super well, but right. I, there's all things with like pitch effects and the rotation rate yeah, same, and stuff same like stuff. that. I don't either. I shouldn't have Now you're going <laughs> to, you're just going to, you, you're naturally going to have different models now because there, there isn't, so much there to isn't capture. a formula. It's not, 
on base plus slugging, right? Like there's a formula yeah. for that. Well, this is why expected goals is useful, right? It's like actually yeah, there's it, a lot of a, useful data being factored into it. But I would still say when we think about how a soccer game went for our team, we don't think about how good what were their chances. It is a factor. We think about like, all right, we, we have better chances than they do, right? But it's more than that. It is control of the game, certain elements. Like, did we, did we leave ourselves vulnerable in transition moments? We sent out to construct the game from the back and play through the lines. Like, did we do that or did we not? Those are all things that we think about. And so if you don't have metrics that reflect that, you're, you're not doing everything you could be. Yeah. It's such a rabbit hole. I imagine that it takes a lot of control and work and focus to be able to know now that you have access to this fire hose of an insane amount of data, what to do with it. I still think it's as this league spends more and more on players, it becomes important to spend more and more on after so we have we have three guys full time on analytics at this club that have really strong skill sets. Like they were all here making less money that they could in the public domain because they're passionate about what they do. And there's, there's real talent that they've, they've got. So we are, there is real, there's real resource that I think can be deployed on this type of stuff and you can get performance out of it. It three strikes me as like not a lot. Is how how common is that number across the league? Do you think? I would say probably eighty percent of clubs have one or zero. Are you serious? Oh wow! I mean, everybody keeps it close to the vest, right? I think we think we do good work here, but that's surprising. I mean, three was like there should be more than three, right? But sounds like people don't even do that. More than three people focus on on analytics. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I've got three. Yeah, that sounds. I feel like we're in a really good spot, and and it's not just. It's just not, it's not an, it's not numbers too. Like you need hard skills. Like when you're working with tracking data, you need people that, that know how to structure a database properly to use like the the computer resources that you have. Tracking data is like 25 frames per second. So 90 minutes times 60 seconds times 25. And you've got 22 players. So that's 22 yeah, observations per frame. Like that's a massive database and you need people that know how to do that. And generally they go to work for Google right? And, or Facebook. And so like, we're really happy that we were able to get three guys of that talent level. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Well, I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I have, you've been very generous with your time. I am so glad that we got a chance to reconnect. And it's, I love that you're a part of, of advancing this league forward. It's been a lot of fun to watch. So thank you for that. All right. When we come back, we're going to make some bets. And we're back. Now it's time for a segment called Bet It and Forget It. Every week, Travis and I end bet the show with a bet. It. Wow, I blew it. Been a while, Darren. It's been a while. Bet it and just, forget just, it. Fuck. <laughs> Leave it in. Keep going. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start over. Bet it and forget it. <laughs> FC Cincinnati. I can't believe I'm saying this about this team. They were so bad for so long, but they seem to have the makings of a really solid team now. After a couple of years. <laughs> All right. You want to just start from the beginning? And we're back. Now it's time for a segment called Bet It and Forget It. Bet It and Forget It. Every week, Travis and I end the show with a bet for this week's game. Bet It and... We... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just start from every week. Every week, Travis and I end the show with a bet for the week's game. We make an outlandish prediction for that week, something that almost definitely will not happen, but could. Each week, we both put up $5. If no one hits, the money rolls over to the next week. Eventually, by the time someone's weird prediction comes true, they might win a good chunk of change. And we haven't talked about it since a wild turn of events when Travis's bet cashed at $40, but then he got COVID and heel of the foot Jeff Talk swooped in to guest host the next episode and run away with Travis's winnings. Classic heel move. He owes me 40 bucks. Big heel energy from Jeff Talk. He also, on the same episode, made an, of course, terrible bet on Travis's behalf. Wouldn't that expect anything was- less from an absolute moron. <laughs> and that did not cash, of course. Uh, neither did mine, but that was a great bet. Uh, so we're up to $20 in the pool this week. A fresh start for both of us. Darren, Travis, I- welcome back to the segment. 
Thank you. Uh, I do feel good that I won Bet and Forget It, and it's now two to one. I want you to know I've won twice this season. You've won one time. A brace Something for to Travis. Think about. A brace. A, a seafood I really, buffet. I don't and, think about it much. Yeah, I mean, I can see it in your face. You do. The But I have yeah, a bet this beer. week. I'm going to get a beer real quick because I'm just not very interested in your, in your okay. bet. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, my bet this week, Darren, and you might be interested to know, I'm very confident in this bet. I'm very confident. Oh, you're confident? Yeah, I'm very confident. And it, I think it's actually going to hit. Like, it's outlandish, but sometimes you just feel it in your fucking bones, and this is going to hit. Are you ready? All right. You seem confident. I feel very confident. And it's this. Mario Gonzalez brace. Ooh. Mario Gonzalez home debut brace. We don't count the Rose Bowl as a home debut. We hate that fucking stadium. His first game at home, Mario Gonzalez, two goals. What do you think? Wow. I love that bet. Especially after uh, kind of a weak performance in his first game, you know? Yeah. I, we also have not yet talked about, we don't have to talk, belabor it, but I do want to say out loud, fuck the Rose Bowl. Oh, I guess fuck we did a post-game show. But yeah. I really think if that game was at BMO, we would have won. We had no home field advantage. We didn't. Uh, we, fuck the Rose Bowl. I'm so upset. I'm we so never upset. play there again. I know people <laughs> from LAFC listen to this fucking podcast. And I like Uh-oh. you. I'm happy the card that is being you played. do. I'm happy that you do. We're friends. Tell whoever the fuck you can. We don't want to play there anymore. Please, for the love of God. I live 10 minutes from the Rose Bowl. I don't want to ever go there again. <laughs> Actually, I will say I do want to do another. I do want to avenge El Trafico there. Do it at SoFi. Do it like uh, there's just the vibes are off, Ooh, man. SoFi the vibes are off. Played at the Coliseum next to our fucking stadium. Yeah, well, I, I always I wondered that. Why can't we play at Coliseum? It's so much fun. What's your bet, Darren? We're running real long today. Oh, I'm so sorry. My bet is way more outlandish than yours, but <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll should I make mine it. more outlandish? Well, hear mine, and then you, okay. you you have a number-based bet. You can always just go up or down. My bet is yeah. there. it will not rain. Before, <laughs> it will not rain <laughs> before the final whistle. For, during wow. the match, there will be no rain. You're going against America's meteorologists. No rain. One of which after that segment game. is you. After that full weather report. <laughs> well, I was the other thing is my wife is flying back to LA on Sunday and we were trying to figure out when she should fly. And the answer is she's not going to. The <laughs> flight's gonna get canceled. But we'll see. Wait, she's flying back to LA. Yeah. So she'll probably land in like Arizona or some shit. Another vacation. Okay. Your bet is quite outlandish because it's I fuck with God, Travis. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like going and get like, there is a storm. You're like a flat earther. Okay. Mario Gonzalez hat trick is my bet. Hat trick, Mario Gonzalez. Not this weekend, Noah. And listen, you're saying that there can't be a drop of fucking rain the entire game. Not a drop. right? Not a drop. All right. And whatever does happen, they'll still overwater the pitch. (laughs) It's gonna, be, it's gonna be see. pouring, and they'll be like, "Gotta get, gotta get watered." <laughs> no, we can't be this mean to LAFC. We love you. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's the second time we do love you guys. It's we just look for desperately look for anything we can make fun of. Listen, that's our show. Let's get the fuck out of here. Also, everyone, like, clean your gutters and stuff. There's a hurricane coming. Tape your windows. Is that still a thing? Just a reminder, we'll be streaming our post-game call-in show 10 minutes after the final whistle of the match on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at happyfootsadfoot. There's a link in the show notes. Talk to us in the chat. We'll post a link. Join us live on the show. Everyone is welcome. Thank you to Fran Taylor for joining the show. Our theme music is done by the insane team of James Valentine, Nate Walcott, and Louis Palmer, along with YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and maybe Facebook. And honestly, I don't think threads anymore is that still happening and if you if you made it this far into the episode chances are you're enjoying the show if that's true and you want to support us help us keep making it please consider becoming a friend of the footage just five dollars a month that's one tenth of what you pay for parking at bmo stadium you can do that at patreon.com slash happyfoot sadfoot or you could pick up some half sappho inspired merch by going to happyfootsadfootpod.com i'm wearing a beautiful new t-shirt from the, the store about the I Love Soccer Leagues Cup shirt that the Leagues Cup released. And it says, I love the I Love Soccer Leagues Cup t-shirt. 
and it's got a picture of the I Love Soccer League's Cup t-shirt on it. I'm very proud of this shirt. Um, it's the perfect shirt that you can buy if you host an LAFC podcast. <laughs> get yours before a cease and desist makes us take it down. Uh, any support really goes a long way to keep the show going and the community growing. Thanks again. And Darren will see you in the rain at BMO, baby. I love <laughs> I will you. See you. I'll see you at BMO. I love you. I love you. Big announcement Bye. coming soon. Oops. Ooh, I love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. What announcement is it? Bye. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, bye. Ooh, cutie pie. Oops. Oops, all Not announcements. Oops. Bye. Oops, all announcements. Oops, all announcements. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.